You're listening to the Green Majority Radio Show. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. We're talking a lot about pretty much the only thing anybody's talking about this week. Uh, we got some Trump news, we got some BC election news, and a whole bunch of pontificating. So I hope you enjoy it. If you support the show and you like what we do, you can become a member. If you're a little tight on cash, you can leave us basically a tip. Just a dollar a month is all you need to, to do that. We appreciate the support. Uh, it uh, it's also uh, makes us feel really good. Uh, every time uh, I get one of those emails, it just... Uh, Somebody loves us. It's great. Uh, if you can afford more, the recommended membership is 5 or $10, but don't feel the pressure. Uh, if you don't have 5 or $10 a month, we really appreciate the dollar. Uh, just to let us know uh, that you care, we really appreciate it. You can do that at Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Green Majority, or just go to greenmajority.ca for the link as well. Enjoy the show. Welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm in studio today with Stefan, but I'm actually in the studio. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've been t- I've been teching uh, our own show recently, and uh, not today, because Stephen's back. Yay! <laughs> so I only have to do two things and not three. That's great. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm your host, Aaron Kester, and we'll be talking a little bit about, well, the only thing that anybody is talking about, plus the only other thing that anyone is talking about. Apparently people only talk about two things. Two things. Well, anyone anywhere outside of Canada is talking about one thing this week, and anyone yeah. in Canada is talking about two things this week. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about two things this week because we're in Canada. And somehow neither of those are LeBron James. Nope. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Nope. Maybe bonus show, but probably not. Pro- almost certainly not. No. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So what are those two things? Well, if you've been under a rock, uh, you may not have realized that Trump officially pulled out. He was uh, of the Paris Climate Accord. He was, I would say, rumored, I would say, suspected of being uh, uh, going to be pulling out. Um, and I only put it so softly because there seemed like at the last minute a, uh, a big push. Um, and one thing we know about Donald Trump is that he uh, he listens essentially to whoever like talked to him last. Um, this is like a thing that started as kind of a joke, but then, uh, some of the leaks that about him, um, have said that this is true and, and it seems to be true just from effect. Um, which is one of the reasons why it's so dangerous that he's locked in the white house with Steve Bannon all day. But anyway, um, but so despite this, it seemed like maybe that the sort of the Pope had talked to him and a number of other world leaders had reached out to him. Uh, we're not, we don't think that he was concerned about, uh, activists, but, um, you know, some other folks had reached out and we thought maybe that maybe, 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 maybe he'll sort of like, just like kick it, like punt it. And then no, but I think really at the end of the day, Stefan, I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but my, my initial thing is that maybe, uh, he was just his, his desire to, you know, avoid more controversy and, and do everything was offset by his uh, desire to get a win. But anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about this. I, I would just argue that he also just likes I think to some extent he just wants everyone who he doesn't like to not be happy. Right. Uh, and there's some extent of this, which is that had had a whole bunch had had it been the op had he been told that conservatives were into climate change and were solving climate change and liberals were not, he would take the exact opposite approach. I don't I don't I don't think there's actual any 
overt thought going on here. Yeah, and by yeah, so what, what like he needed a win, as in a win according to the thirty-one percent of Americans that agree with him. Yeah, or and or just a win in saying he gets to flex his power and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Yeah. Like he gets yeah. to walk out of a room being like, "You guys didn't want me to do a thing, but I did a thing, therefore I'm winning." Totally help climate change, Trump. We yeah. want you to make climate change worse. Uh, okay, <laughs> no, that, that seems a little dangerous. Let's not do that. Uh, okay, so but we're actually going to talk about that in a minute. We, I haven't frankly decided what we're going to do in the last section. We'll figure it out, Stefan. We're going to figure it out later. Uh, but in a minute, Stefan is going to uh, talk to us about the local news, which will be the BC elections. I want to just quickly, before we get to that, we had our spring fundraising drive uh, a couple weeks ago. I just want to thank uh, a number of people. So uh, I have my our donor list in front of me. Uh, Stefan, I'm not going to read your name. Oh, I just did. Uh. Uh, but the rest of uh, we won't do last names here of course, for the sake of privacy. But I want to thank very much on air Sandra, Leanne, Hannah, Mary, Justine, Louisa, Bruce, Carson, and Jeffrey. Uh, if you did donate to the show and you're not on the list, it's possible it just didn't get updated yet. Uh, uh, so apologies. Uh, if you'd really like your name read on air, just mm-hmm. email us. And even if you didn't donate, I'll maybe yeah. we'll figure something out. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> just in case any Chucks out there thought they donated. All right. Uh, so uh, so that's that. Um and we're also final announcement, I guess, at the beginning of the show is we're going to have a pre-recorded show next week because both Steph and I are going on not a vac- on a not vacation, which is a work vacation. Yes, <laughs> uh, but there's still going to be a good show. It'll just be a pre-record for the first time in man, I think years. Yeah, years. So if anything uh, happens on Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> next week, uh, it may take another week for us to catch up. That's right. We've been doing that a lot recently, but I think people <laughs> forgive us. So uh, we're now. I've now managed to waste five whole minutes, Stefan. Oh, thank you very much. Please tell. Uh, please tell us the news. Yeah. Uh, so this this has been. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of the story that's been going on forever. Uh, there's actually a great uh, about fifteen minute. This is the first time I've said Facebook Live video. I didn't. I did not. I never expected Facebook Live to be important enough for me ever to say the sentence that there was a great one. I remember feeling that way about Twitter. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but anyways, Ben West, uh, who's a reporter on BC uh, in front of the show, does a great sort of breakdown of the BC election and what's happening. He's been following it for you know since 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 the actual election happened, which feels like it was in 2015. Feels um, <laughs> like during the Obama administration, the BC had an election, and only now are, is anything about to understand. Uh, but of course, what happened in that election was uh, it was incredibly close. Uh, I believe there was one there was there was there was one riding that came within a, a few hundred votes, if if perhaps even less. Um, and basically, split in the middle, you end up with uh, exactly just one under a majority uh, of seats going to the Liberals, and then uh, and then the one extra seat um, going to the combination of NDP and Greens puts the Greens in uh, sort of a balance of power scenario. Uh, and this week, the Greens announced that they'd be joining in a, some sort of coalition with the NDP uh, to hopefully form a government. Now, I say hopefully because there's like six things that are that are still ongoing that could end up screwing up this uh, screwing this up. Uh, and the first is Chrissy Clark remains premier. Uh, and at some point, Chrissy Lark will have to pass something, uh, at which point they, she could uh, they'd be overthrown. Uh, but the latest piece of uh, update in this uh, in the scenario is that the liberals are actually refusing to let any single one of their members sit as speaker, um, which is a, which is a very which ends up being a very complicated thing because the speaker doesn't get to vote uh, unless there's an exact tie. So if the NDP or and uh, and Greens are forced to have a speaker come from their ranks, then it'll be a split legislature, if I believe 43-43, and then one extra person uh, who is the Speaker of the House who cannot vote unless it's an exact tie, which basically means that Christy Clark's um, local government could force 
could basically could, could force a speaker to consistently have to vote by voting against the Green P, the Green uh, NNDP uh, coalition. Or it's not actually coalition. I should I should be careful with terms here. Uh, agreement for the former minority government. Um, and, and so what that means, what the, what the difficulty is that is that because the speaker cannot vote, the speaker is supposed to be nonpartisan. Which so the the convention is that the speaker will uh, always vote with the. I think the idea is like what the status quo is basically, and the status quo is is understood to be the ruling party. Um, so theory, it's not a law. There's no law that says they have to do this, but it's a convention they have to do this. And there hasn't been an, there hasn't been a. Um, an election as close as the one in BC since like 1903. So this is like this convention isn't used very often, but it is it is convention. So what that basically means is that if the Liberals form a government, uh, which they currently have, um, then they are able to uh, if they force the NDP and Green to 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 to, to pick a speaker, then whenever they vote on, if, if, the, if, the, if the speaker follows convention, actually they should have to then pass whatever the liberals do. Basically, the liberals in this very convoluted way could theoretically remain in power. Um, so while it's not entirely technically accurate, you would be forgiven for, for, for surmising that this situation is like uh, through uh, logistics, you're sort of stealing a seat. Sort of, yeah. Or through through like procedure, you're you're attempting to steal a seat. I mean, that's that's not what's happening, but it's sort of like that's the feeling. We yeah, have. exactly. And, and of course, the because the Greens and the NDP could also refuse to put set a speaker up, which would then mean at some point BC would run out of money, uh, and someone would have to give. Uh, and so, and so, there's all these different ways this could go down, right? There could just be called it once they um, once the Liberals uh, if the Liberals get get voted down, so. The, the 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 most the most the, I don't even know to say most likely there's not does not appear to be a currently which way this is going to fall uh, but basically the the possibility remains that the liber the, the liberals will end up with exactly number of seats they will force they, they will wait until September when someone ha- when they, some sort of budget has to be passed uh, they will force the in- liberals uh, the NDP and Greens into putting a speaker um, and then and then and then hope that the NDP then defy convention. Uh, and t- or don't. Either way, if they defy convention, then that would be taken down the government, which would allow the governor general to actually call a new election rather than just give the power over to the NDP and Greens. Mm-hmm. Uh, alternatively, the lieutenant governor um, could uh, could allow the could then allow the NDP and Greens attempt to, to form a government, which they then could do. In which case, this problem would be solved. So it's, this this most likely ends up still with a minority NDP. Uh, NDP government with it, with with the Greens propping them up, but it's not a guarantee. At least yet, uh, but because that's the most likely option, uh, we can talk about what that means. And, wh- and and that was the big news this week was that the the Greens and the NDP sort of came up with some sort of plan that, 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 on things they agreed on. They went, they went down the line on things they agreed on. And interestingly, uh, the agreements that they came up with seemed to at least lend t- itself more to a uh, a much more progressive um, foot forward than than either side would normally necessarily have actually taken. The Greens sort of pushed the NDP on, on environment, and the NDP sort of pushed the Greens on, uh, on some more social issues. And so the actual, the actual agreement is, is, is a little more, um, say, radical uh, than, than normal, uh, than, yeah. or, than either government might as a majority government. And you know why, you know why we know, Stefan, that the word radical is appropriate? 
because the list that you're about to go through uh, could have easily been pulled from any of our shows. <laughs> yeah, it, the, yeah. So, so the not the entire list, but a good chunk of it. Yeah, this is yeah. There's a whole bunch of uh, parts of this. Some of these sort of environmental. Uh, um, decisions that are in this agreement, uh, pulling us off the smog blog. Uh, but the one that catches my eye, so there's a whole bunch. So there's Kinder Morgan uh, is in for, right? Obviously, that's a huge one uh, for for environmentalists uh, because it sort of proves that that it, it if if this works, if environmentalists and in in the Greens and if you're able to stop Kinder Morgan, then it, I would say it will inc- it will very effectively illustrate their the the, the power of this movement. Um, it was. It was. You know. It, it seemed as if the centrists and the, and the oil industry was doing everything right to get this thing passed. Uh, and the fact that uh, that it's that the fight remains ongoing, um, and that it seems as if there's a possibility that it actually might be stopped still, uh, is a testament to the power of not only of the uh, Tsleil-Waututh First Nations uh, and all the other front lines communities fighting for it, uh, but the organizing power just in BC around this issue. Um, it, it. It. Yeah. It was one of those things where I figured that it was at this point uh, we weren't probably we weren't going to take this one. Uh, I felt like we were going to take the L on this, if you will. Um, but kudos to the people who did not who did not accept that. Uh, and I suppose that Salawatuth uh, First Nation um, and and all the other frontline people actually proving that this is a is a fight that is that not that not only is winnable but it may actually be eventually won. Um, other ones, Sight Seed Dam will be sent for another review. Sight Seed Dam is a, is a much larger topic. We actually had a, a show on it a while back. Uh, but it, it appears it's $9 billion of publicly funded uh, massive hydro dam. Um, Here's the short version. <laughs> yeah. It's power they don't necessarily need that would ruin a very large area of pristine habitat uh, and nature, and some uh, of that land is contested. That's the short <laughs> answer. Yeah, um, and so they're sending it to another review, basically. Uh, so it's it's got another it's got another hurdle to jump because of this. Or again, if if they're effectively formed government, uh, they want to revitalize the environmental assessment process, uh, which is something that probably should happen everywhere. Uh, they would increase the carbon tax. Thankfully, this was actually something that, that was, this was the biggest complaint that came out of the uh, Christy Clark's previous sort of like I think this was sort of the the failure to increase the carbon tax was was, was sort of Clark's ultimate uh, falling out with the environmental movement. I think they they sort of the BC kept saying the right things, kept doing enough things to keep them uh, afloat in in the minds of uh, environmentalists, and I think the refusal to in, to include increasing of carbon tax in their carbon plan uh, a couple of years ago was sort of the thing where everyone was like. All right, you actually don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, you're doing something. That's some, sure you're doing something. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're not trying to ramp up that action, then then, I, then you've you've lost our well, argument. Basically, yeah. Clark's whole line was, "Hey, all this stuff passed our environmental reviews." And as we said, the response yeah. was, "Yeah, that's because your reviews suck." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why they're refunding. Uh, but yeah, so like, there's there's yes, like they set up a whole bunch of uh, of hurdles to jump through. But then also, but then at the end of it, basically, we're like, and they'll give us a lot of money. And you're like, okay, great. That's that's why this is actually happening. Fantastic. It's like going to alternative schools. Like, here's a test, but you get to make up all the questions and the answers. <laughs> hey, look, I passed. <laughs> We're all very impressed with you, Christy. <laughs> hey, alternative education is nothing to laugh at. Uh, transit funding is the next one. Uh, that's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you want to actually get cities to, to you, you want cities to live in a in a sustainable uh, city, uh, fund transit. So we'll see if that comes through at all. Uh, there's emerging eco- emerging economy task force, uh, which again, uh, to, uh, I think is my favorite line in the entire Smog article, which is, "Has a task force ever changed the world?" Um, and I think I'm in Tennessee to agree on that point. 
as much as I as much as it's important to honestly understand scenarios, task forces I'm going to let go. Um, there's a they want to move to a different kind of understanding of economics. They want to get rid of GDP and instead go for a genuine progress indicator. I uh, think I think that one, that like we'll come back to it. I'm not going to interrupt hmm. it now. I think there's other things that need to be talked about now. But that that potentially is the most impactful of anything. I would argue. Uh, no, I'm 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 I, I, I would I would deny that. Right. Uh, we'll have that debate on a on a, on a different show, show exactly. Yeah. Um, because I think the next one is actually the one that that, that matters more than anything, which Ooh. is the referendum on pro- proportional representation. There you go. Uh, I think this is the one that, if they succeed at passing or even getting a referendum, that and then get a referendum doesn't guarantee anything. Uh, BC's had referendums on other types of voting in the past uh, and they've been shot down. So I don't think this would necessarily one hundred percent succeed. Uh, but if it does succeed, it lays the groundwork for. The rest of Canada to follow suit. I think this is like this is the chance for if there's one chance in anywhere for be uh, right now in the provinces for someone to be a leader on on true uh, voting reform. It's right now in BC uh, and it's with if they successfully manage to make form a government. This looks like a referendum will happen. Then the question when, comes whether or not you can get the ref, then the fight becomes in the referendum. But this I think actually changing could be uh, and should be uh, the the one that was focused on because. This doesn't just this, that would not just change next four years or future. That changes all voting in the future. It almost a guarantees that Christy Clark, who got about forty percent of the vote, will not hold forty nine point nine percent of the power. Um, or you know, and if she had gotten forty percent of the vote, point one, she would have all of the power. And I think this is the one that, if you want to pay attention to something, is the one to pay attention to. Um, of course, then the next one's banning big money and lobbying reform, which in BC is very important. Uh, it's important everywhere, but it's incredibly important in BC, um, in part because they have a bunch of weird rules where if someone tried to enforce them in other provinces, people would be like, what? Why yeah, it's, it's, do that? I, I learned that basically like 10 minutes before the show a few shows ago when we learned about that because, yeah, that's not the case. The, the, the laws in BC are, are quite different on that than not the rest of the country. It varies, obviously, but uh, yeah, it, very different than Ontario. Yeah, exactly. And so they want to they wanna, uh, pass legislation that will ban corporate and unions uh, and out-of-province donations to political parties. Uh, so that would uh, – again, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> do I think, that. I think that would – anything I think that would – A, that take, takes the money out of politics and reduces, I think, the, the – the actual cost to run a campaign uh, makes makes a democracy, democracy stronger. Um, and the last one uh, that they the tenth plan is uh, they want to improve relationships uh, the relationship with indigenous peoples, which again I think should probably be like higher on this list of ten, but perhaps it just went down in any other form. Um, which specifically uh, they want to um, they want to adopt the United States Decla- Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, um, which is kind of ridiculous that we, that we haven't done that federally yet. Um, this is one of those things, again, where uh, I think BC has a chance to lead a bunch of different pieces here um, and, and sort of prove that you can do some of these things. Um, and, and I hope they get an opportunity um, and it's not just entirely washed away by, by the liberals out there in, in BC. All right, so we're going to have to go to our first music break here. Just a, a, a question to think about. We won't talk about it, but I want to make sure it's in this section because it has to do with what you were just saying. Is the question to think about, which we will come back to, but I, I will encourage our listeners to ponder this question, is, of course, the it has been framed by Trudeau that the sort of 
climate deal is part and parcel. I've uh, I've described it before as uh, blackmail. Other people said, well, that's one way to look at it. You could look at it as bargaining. Well, we don't need to get into the semantics of how you want to view it. But it's been presented by Trudeau that these pipelines are how we get climate action. So, and of course, uh, specifically impactful for Rachel Notley in uh, NDP in Alberta, uh, because very much her Alberta has been doing, and I have no reservations in saying, internally, some excellent things uh, under Notley to address uh, their uh, policy with regards to climate change and and health in Alberta uh, since she took power. So, But a lot of this has been done on the backs of as long as we get our pipeline. So if Kinder Morgan goes down, what, if any, impact uh, does this in any way put any danger, any of our climate impacts? Not because there isn't a way to do it without having, I'm not, uh, don't confuse me for a second. I'm not saying that we actually do need Kinder Morgan to do this. I'm saying that it's going to be politically framed that way. Uh, It has been framed that way already. uh, So what might the knockoff effects of not having Kinder Morgan for climate policy elsewhere? Is there going to be negative consequences? Uh, Whether or not that means we should or shouldn't do it. Interesting question to think about. We'll come back to that. Uh, But without uh, uh, taking any further time into the show, we're going to go to Stephen, who's going to tell us what our first music break will be. And also welcome back, Stephen. All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIT 89.5 FM, or you could be listening on the uh, podcast uh, if you're doing that. Hi. Uh, <laughs> no, not hi to everyone else, no. <laughs> uh, and uh, specifically, uh, also we wish to thank our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners, uh, other radio stations. Uh, if somebody is like hijacking the, single and, uh, the signal and playing it in their local cafe, anywhere you're listening, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to talk about now is, uh, well, sort of the big news. If you're if you're not Canadian, probably what's been flooding your Facebook feed, um, which is of course that the U.S. is officially pulled out of uh, the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, there's a number of things to talk about here. I'm going to take a sort of multi-spectrum uh, way of looking at this because there's a number of small things. So. If you want to know what Trump said, we're not playing the clip on air because I f- kind of feel like that's like torturing people. I don't want to listen to it. I feel like angry just having to hear that man's voice. So we're not going to play any Trump clumps, uh, Trump <laughs> tongue tied. We're not going to play any Trump clips. Uh, I'm not also even really going to read any of his statements. The the whole thing is just nonsense. I mean, we know that uh, Trump is uh, both uh, maniacal and a fool. Um, so going over his comments and like there was articles Steph and I found that were talking about uh, that what technically things that were technically wrong with his science information. He doesn't care about the science. His decision wasn't based on the science. It's nothing to do with the science. Therefore, counter arguing Trump on the science, I feel, is a, a, the penultimate waste of time. Uh, so, although I do feel like it's important to consistently remind people that he's always lying. Oh, he is always like lying. there's just there's, there is a value in making sure everyone is aware of the fact that everything he says, like this is like uh, he, if he gives a speech, just wait till, till Daniel Dale shows up and says, here are all of the lies he made in this speech, because right. those because the, that's just it, it's a modus operandi for him. Right. Uh, and now, why are we comfortable calling it lies and not that he's wrong? Because we've said he's not interested. Well, uh, because I would accuse him of having a cr- uh, criminal willful negligence. Uh, which means that he's he knows he's not informed enough to make the statements that he's doing. That's why I'm comfortable calling them lies and not misstatements. So there you go. Uh, in case anyone was sitting at home and is like as sassy as us, yeah, probably, if we were listening, we'd be like, well, they're not necessarily lies. <laughs> yeah, we're going to call them lies. Uh, so here's the top five lies. We're going to go through them real quick. I'm not going to get into the details, but here's the somebody pulled out uh, the biggest things uh, uh, that uh, – 
he lied about. But again, going through the details, going through the statements, uh, not super worth it. But let's just talk about um, it because the specifics are what's important. So uh, no one agreement cannot be. Uh, so this is from a Vox article. No one agreement cannot be both non-binding and draconian. Uh, so he, there was a reference to this being uh, draconian. Uh, it's not binding agreement. So obviously it can't be. Um, the point of this, again, is worth noting that because it was a non-binding agreement, uh, Trump could have simply ignored it. Not only was it non-binding, this is it's worse than that. Uh, even the the only thing that you have you're responsible for is your own uh, is your own um, uh, plans. Like it's it, the, the agreement literally lets you set up what your targets are. He could it, have done an, an order saying our plan is to do nothing. He, there's a plethora of things he could have done here. Um, without like the idea that that the Paris Agreement was actually going to enforce any like. Anything on the, the whole States. criticism of the Paris Accord is that it doesn't force you to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the like, whole thing we don't like about it. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, like, yeah, the, the, everything about about it, it, it about its uh, its waging a war on on the United States is is ludicrous. Yeah. So why is that worth, worth mentioning? Right after I just finished saying we're not going to be busy quoting him. Well, because there's a there's a point to doing this. Uh, the point was simply not because the uh, he doesn't want the United States to do certain things. It's because they wanted to make a statement uh, that they were thumbing their nose. So this was more about international uh, positioning uh, as a hey, don't come looking for us. We're not interested. Uh, point of view. I think it was largely done towards his base, but the impact and the importance is going to be felt much more significantly internationally. Um, And we'll come back to why that's important in a minute, but just to sort of to underline that point. Uh, There was some insinuation from Trump that Paris could be renegotiated. Again, he doesn't understand that it's non-binding, so this is sort of irrelevant. Uh, But no, it can't be negotiated because nobody's bound to anything. There's nothing to renegotiate. Well, like like, like they could could renegotiate the whole thing, but that's the world is not going to do that like exactly. they could they could scrap and, and try again but like it's just because that's his only move yeah well, yeah exactly it's, it's it, like your friend at the bar who has one move and just does it over and over again <laughs> even though it never works like get a new move it's just, no he just wants to, he just wants to renegotiate everything and if yeah. everything gets renegotiated under him then it's good even if it's worse well they but here's also the thing as well is that once and he's pulled this trick several times before as well which is that you go into something you say you're going to bring some force you know you do some crazy thing that f- forces somebody to come to the table with you you have a conversation behind closed doors by which you basically lose the negotiation and and success Successfully, you know, the other person successfully bats you away or proposes an even worse deal as, as the renegotiation or worse from 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 Trump's point of view. Uh, but then he just comes out and says that he won <laughs> after having gotten the photo op of being in a negotiation and his uh, foolish followers who would just say yes to everything uh, that he does see that. As the, so, again, this is pure optics. Uh, he doesn't oh, yeah. even want – that's my point is that he doesn't even want to renegotiate it. He just wants an optical thing that he can view to say, look, I won something. Uh, so moving on. Um, it will not cost – again, a non-binding agreement can't cost the U.S. a billion dollars. Uh, this is uh, going – we, we basically said this, but another way to look at it that, it, that is a new piece of information, uh, comes to uh, Obama's statement, which was uh, very heavily highlighted, which is that he's going to be – by the actions taken – uh, again, not that the pullout causes these things, but the action he's going to be taken uh, that is a sort of a, a lumped in with this, the actions that this is uh, uh, teasing, if you will, 
are all things that are going to cost Americans jobs. So this is actually going to cost Americans lots of money and lots of jobs. Uh, estimates, uh, according to this article, I haven't independently verified them, so let's just put that asterisk there. Uh, but uh, say it could cost as much as 2.7 million jobs by 2050, uh, 2025 and as much as $3 trillion uh, over the next, uh, same time period. Uh, so this is going to be very expensive. Uh, again, we'll come back to that uh, for in my wrap-up comment. Uh, China and India are not getting away with anything. So uh, again, this requires a little bit more to to get into. But it, it, essentially, he was framing it, trying to frame this as you know, originally the original Trump Trump tweet uh, was uh, something about this is a hoax made up by China. Um, China is not only not trying to get away with anything, but uh, and we'll come back to this in a minute. China is now going to be moving much much faster uh, without, uh, the U S either. So not only is it not a hoax and not only is it to help China, but China is actually going to be doing more than the U S even if the U S had stuck with what they were, what the original plan, <laughs> if they'd kept Obama's plan, the Chinese are now moving farther and farther ahead of even the original plan before Trump. Well, there's, there's, there's yeah, I think there's, there's two things to, to note here. One, uh, is the just necessary statement that the idea that the United States giving money, uh, to encourage green growth other places is somehow uh, unacceptable um, rather than rather than the ra- rather than the idea that this is the money they're paying for getting us here in the first place right. uh, you know like th- th- it's more commonly not you'll see a lot of arguments uh, coming out saying things like the you know that China is the biggest emitter so why do they not have to change as quickly um, or you know or India is growing incredibly fast why like we're, there's a billion people there what can we do especially that happens in in Canada when we only have thirty million we get to pretend we're really small and so it don't matter um, but the support for these nations is is our is as us sort of paying for all of the benefit we've already reaped and that we have not paid for in any way, shape, or form. And it's a pittance on, on what we've actually done. Yeah. Uh, and so to pretend that the few, the, 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 the small amounts of money, uh, it won't sound small in the but in terms of the American, uh, terms of the American budget, uh, small amounts of money. When you're talking about inter-country, interstate finances, all yeah. of the numbers are large numbers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, and so, the only somewhat large numbers are actually small numbers. Yes. Uh, but anyways, so like, yeah, like, do not let people say that you know three million, three billion dollars uh, to help uh, sustainable development in other places is is somehow an un- unac- un- unacceptable tax on uh, on 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 the on America. Yeah, and one of the things he was trying to renegotiate was that he wanted to forget, uh, uh, or theoretically, he wanted to like forget about uh, the Americans' historical things, which is something all the rich countries tried to do during the negotiations. They're saying, hey, uh, we shouldn't have to pay for CO2 we dumped before we admitted we knew it was bad. Uh, so here's a quick analogy before we move on with the rest of this uh, conversation. It's kind of like going for dinner, ordering a giant steak while somebody else has like some crackers. Uh, and then you say, well, let's get the bill and, uh, and order our, ice cream, our dessert at the same time. And then the person who had the salad has like a sundae or the crackers has a sundae and you have – and you choose to, to have then have your breadsticks. I would argue uh, still say, have a sundae. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, because uh, you know, forget about the fact that I ordered a steak earlier and you had almost nothing. Even though to, you know, my steak was very, very expensive and you had crackers, you now – more recently, you want to have a sundae and I only want crackers. So therefore – 
uh, we should split the whole bill evenly. <laughs> like that's basically like I, I understand that's a little bit of a convoluted uh, metaphor, but like the issue is convoluted. But that's basically what it is. It was saying that never mind that thing I did before. I only want to pay for the thing I'm doing now. What's well, if this one thing that combines a, almost, combines a ridiculous amount of both Trump policy and right wing policy? It's the it's a it's it's a historical. Right. You know, it's it's as if you know it's the same set of arguments that the Confederate flag is about states' rights. Uh, you know, it's like history did not happen. So let's pretend. That's not a part of this conversation and, and understand life from right now forwards. Right. So how is the rest of the world reacting? Well, let's, re- let's run through a bunch of people. So Germany, obviously, Angela Merkel is, um, uh, seems to very clearly be positioning herself uh, as at least, if not the new go-to world leader on this, if at the very least trying to corral uh, some other states to essentially fill that vacuum. More comments on that coming up in a minute. Uh, f- France, uh, I really think Emmanuel Macron really didn't like having his arm jerked around from <laughs> Trump during that handshake because he's also coming out uh, seemingly a lot more uh, fiery than he was even during the campaign. Macron uh, said like four things that Trudeau wish he could wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I've seen uh, Macron has been, I mean, I don't speak French, so I didn't see all the debates or anything like that, but just from like the little bit that we see over here, it seems like Macron is already throwing more shade at Trump than he ever did uh, at <laughs> to Le Pen during the, during the France's election. But anyway, like, moving on uh, the UK also Theresa May worth noting. So anyway, Germany and France uh, looks like the UK, uh, those, the, the powerful nations in the European union rather uh, are, are, having none of it uh there's uh, to trying to address actively trying to address already the power vacuum uh theresa may in the uk very interesting uh, she has been trying to walk the line very much with trump uh they have been trying to be as buddy buddy as possible without while still keeping enough arm's length distance so that she doesn't look stupid um so worth noting that as far as i can tell the first time she's actually rebuked president trump on something directly saying that she was very disappointed uh in that decision uh, China, as we mentioned, uh, has now uh, was in talks with Angela Merkel, uh, has now promised just prior to the actual decision, has announced that they're uh, going to be voluntarily exceeding even their already exceeding targets. Uh, India also moving in um, and uh, Angela Merkel um, talking to uh, uh, leaders in India as well. So a lot of uh, uh, large nations, a lot of, uh, well, not necessarily rich nations, nations with uh, a lot of money. Uh, because of, in some cases, just because they have a lot of people, in some cases, because they're very, very strong economies. Uh, India uh, is uh, has one and is increasingly becoming the other as well, So, uh, as China had done a few years ago. So some really big players with a lot of money and a lot of influence financially to throw around, uh, also saying that they're going to be stepping up their game in response to this. I, I hope you can develop a theme here for my commentary at the end there, Stefan. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, just if for nothing else and for amusing points, Russia, we don't take anything they say seriously. Neither do we take anything seriously that North Korea says, but worth noting that Russia and North Korea are both signatories and are staying in the agreement. <laughs> uh, U.S. now joins just Syria and Nicaragua as the only governments outside the agreement. Nicaragua, of course, refusing to sign because it was too weak, Stefan. Uh, and Syria's busy being Syria. Uh, that's a terrible situation. So, I mean, I, we don't have any comment on Syria. So basically, uh, with regards to this issue, uh, so basically it's just the U.S. and Nicaragua because for the opposite reason. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting uh, – so that's sort of internationally. Inside the U.S., very interesting as well, uh, that, uh, that uh, immediately both in Canada – stories coming out of Canadian media and American media, uh, Canada, Canadian having to do with Canadian mayors, uh, American media having to do with American mayors, all across North America, uh, mayors are coming out and internationally as well. But import, more specifically and more importantly, mayors across the U.S. and Canada coming out saying – 
we don't care what Trump says, we're going to be doing this anyway. Obviously, that's even more impactful for the American mayors. One specific, very amusing uh, example was that uh, there was a line, I don't have the line in front of me here, was it? Uh, oh, it was, uh, Trump, one of the lines from Trump's speech was something about being, uh, he, I'm the president of Pittsburgh, not Paris. Uh, the mayor of Pittsburgh uh, made a statement uh, on Twitter, with, I think within minutes, uh, if not very quickly, uh, uh, basically saying, yeah, no, no, you don't speak for us. We're actually voluntarily also going to be staying in this agreement. Uh, so that was fun. Um, uh, another thing to note here before sort of wrapping up my final comment or for my my reflection comment here for the end uh, is that also uh, very importantly, so obviously uh, a lot of youth are very upset. Uh, obviously, all your American lefties are very upset. Those are predictable groups that doesn't reduce the impact, but it's predictable. Uh, what was very interesting, it was an extremely strong business reaction as well. A lot of business leaders saying, even including uh, oil companies, saying that this was the wrong move. Uh, we'll roll our eyes a little bit at the oil companies, but we do believe that they believe it. The reason we're rolling our eyes is because they're actively doing things that are sabotaging it in other areas. But uh, you know, important to note that. But but more specifically, uh, industries that are not directly tied to the oil industry coming up very strong and saying this is this is bad. This is going to hurt our bottom line. Uh, this is going to hurt our future business prospects. Uh, as you know, as is a bunch of your other policies. Uh, pretty much uh, across the board, the only people who um, are for this are very quietly some of the oil companies. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and, and a bunch of and a bunch of people who are just sort of and and people who are like speaking ideologically, like from the not speaking from the point of view of the business. Like there's businesses right. that have nothing to do with this, or they don't see themselves as have anything to do with this. That are huge right wingers, but right, th- those aren't those aren't like their boards of directors speaking. That's like the you know the crazy <laughs> right wing ultra lunatic. Uh, owner of some Chick-fil-A, for instance, right, the right, anti-gay right. Chick-fil-A, like people like yeah. that. Uh, so what is my takeaway comment before we go to Stefan's takeaway comment? My takeaway comment is that the thing to watch for here uh, is that as we've talked about previously on the show, this the with specifically, we have to be thinking about this in Canada is that the uh, one of the things that happened over the last number of years is by sort of uh, and, and this I would I would I put this in Obama's uh, hands as well. And uh, sadly, um, but is that because the US has so much influence, and has sort of said, yes, but they've had this immense power to control the conversation. And so they've uh, shaped uh, a lot of uh, these agreements in very meaningful ways. Their their power, uh, they weren't certainly the only ones, but they've been very instrumental both under Obama and under Bush and under other people during these climate negotiations in, in watering things down and be, making sure that things were non-binding rather than binding and doing all those things. And because they're such a powerful and, and important and, and nation uh, politically, they've had that authority. They've had that ability to sort of like put their, their hand uh, on the wheel and slow it down a little bit. Uh, what's really interesting now is that I'm not freaking out uh, it, because what's happened is that by actually stepping away rather than doing what he probably should have done from his point of view tactically, which is just say, oh, okay, fine, we'll do it, but we're going to w- water it down. And then, you know, so internationally say relax, but then at home say, okay, but we're going to, uh, you know, before people freak out about the climate deal, be like, yeah, yeah, but don't worry, we're gonna, just going to build a bunch of oil. And it, like, there's a way to play it. I think that he could have been smarter for him. But what's happened is that by officially pulling out, he's now removing that constraint from the international conversation where they don't need to worry about the Americans, right? Because the Americans have been removed from the conversation. And I actually think now that with the political climate, with the with the increasingly obvious impacts of climate change, and the fact that you don't have somebody with a lot of influence slowing the conversation down, it's like kind of getting that one person out of that meeting 
that just like won't be satisfied with anything and is kind of driving everybody nuts sort of like leaves and you can finally come to a decision. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. I don't know. I actually think that while it's regrettable and while the Americans are certainly going to do a lot of damage in this time, I'm not convinced, Stefan, and it remains to be seen if and we'll have, we'll see if the overall impact of the rest of the world uh, moving forward uh, with more unison and, and stronger uh, does not outweigh the negative impact of the Americans uh, through their sort of combined impact. Very hard to measure that. I understand there's there's just too many variables, uh, but we'll see. I think uh, a minute for your final thoughts. Uh, I'm actually going to. Um I, I, I feel like I have I, I have a longer thought than the one minute that we probably have. Do you want to do – we can do it when you come back. I was consider yeah. I was going to okay. say we do it when you get back. Uh, nice. But what I will mention before we go, uh, just one last piece of information about uh, about, the, about the climate uh, accord is that the, the – that you know, there's some – every once in a while, there's like the small things in agreements that you're like, oh, you guys thought about this. Mm. Well done. Uh, and that, so the way the Paris Climate Agreement works is that there is a three year delay from when you announce that you will be you'll be leaving and then a one extra year afterwards which means that the even with this announcement the technically they will be under uh, they will be under the Paris Climate Agreement until the day after the next election. Mm. Uh, so as much as Trump can say he's pulling out, he the Republicans will have to win in 2020 uh, to not basically have this undone nearly immediately upon its return. Mm. Uh, and again, we should stress that because every, all of this is domestic policy, domestic policy uh, formulated, being under or not under this policy thing doesn't actually change much. Like it's not like so. It's it's one of those things where it's like. All right, you did this thing, but it won't be actual. Won't actually be a thing until after your next election, um, and and then also, um, it, even if it, it would the next four years, it, he, the, the, I guess it speaks to his disingenuousness of the of the reaction to how or onerous the uh, uh, the the climate accord is. If you're cool with it still existing for the next four years, yeah, you're sort of like this is terrible for jobs. I will fight this, but also it will still exist for four years because that's how this thing works. It's like, I I just, it's hard to believe. Yeah. So we'll be back in a minute. Uh, Stefan has a final thought about that. We'll talk about that when we come back. Also, I want to mention really quickly uh, uh, for, uh, for our two thirds of our audience, that's Canadian. uh, The conservatives also did pick a leader and we'll talk uh, very briefly about that, wrap up a couple other things as well and get into our bonus show and a few other things when we come back. But now we're going to listen to Stephen, who's going to tell us what our second and final music break will be. Right, we are back. You're listening to the Green Majority here in the home stretch on CIUT 89.5 FM. Our wonderful, uh, very appreciated community radio partners, uh, international and uh, national as well, and also our podcast listeners. Thank you so much for downloading uh, the podcast. You'll uh, be able to get the bonus show as well if you download the podcast, which comes out now Mondays. It's a separate show, which is fun. People who actually see me in real life, Stefan, say that they like that. Oh, there you so go. let's assume that that's a good thing. Yeah. Or email me. <laughs> Yes, uh, <laughs> finding you in real life, number one way to provide feedback. Yes. <laughs> Other ways, online. Also come to the cafe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. So uh, you, uh, you have your final wrap-up comment. Yeah. Uh, I might uh, exert uh, host privilege to comment on your comment. We'll see what Fair. happens, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, I wanted just to, to jump back into this, into the Trump decision, uh, specifically lens, focusing on the lens of, like, I'm not certain, uh, I don't really, uh, I would push back on your argument that 
it will enable the rest of the world to do more. Uh, because I think there's a host of nations within the Paris Climate Accord that uh, that have no interest in in doing quote unquote more, um, or at least have no interest in strengthening it in a way beyond it exists currently, which is a general agreement to consistently try to do better in your own contexts. I think that 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 sort of that agreement and that sort of way of framing that agreement is is largely. Uh, the best we're gonna we're gonna get, uh, and then and then we're gonna rely a lot on 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 something else, which I'll get to in half a second. Uh, I think the biggest impact of Trump uh, playing out uh, in the scenario, but also just generally Trump's policies, is that he is systematically removing uh, America's soft power. Or America's ability to provide to 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 use its soft power, mm-hmm. um, and 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 while also just just flashing its military might for for random it seems uh, like like just just completely as if it, it like. It, just to show it, it's there almost. I, I, like there's no there's no real strategy in his in his actions for using military might beyond just proving that it exists. You're kind of making America sound like a drunken frat boy. Well, to some extent, like is it any surprise that that's how Trump's running this country? <laughs> um, you know, like the fact that he's it seems that he is incapable of understanding you can win unless everyone sees you dominate the person you're beside. It, it seems like he's incapable of understanding that, uh, that, that, there's, that the victories can be had that are done by yourself or internally or understood by you internally or other people. It's like it's the only way he can understand any sort of success is if, is if he is doing something that other people can't stop him from doing. Like that is his only understanding of how power works. Um, and so this idea of uh, – so by withdrawing from uh, you know, the Paris Climate Accord, um, and 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 perhaps you know many in the left liked this, but removing stuff from the TPP, which is currently being revived without the United States, um, is basically him removing more and more ways in which in which previous administrations would be able to control the world, but through their own uh, through their own through their own um, ways, and 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 increasingly providing uh, the the opportunity for for China. And in the end, mostly just China. Uh, but like the fact that China and the EU are moving closer on climate policies, uh, while also expanding, uh, while China is also expanding its its reach globally uh, and influence globally in in other ways, um, is 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 just cementing the fact that the United States is is no is 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 no longer the leader of the of the free world, or no longer that was in not even free world, no longer the leader of the world. Because um, if the only way you can exert your power is by bombing things, you have way less control than if your power is I don't have to bomb things. Like it's as if he doesn't understand that true power is not having to show your power. Mm-hmm. Instead he's out just showing his power all the time and being and and that in his mind is success. And and that and that to me is what's driving a lot of these decisions is this idea that I like it's this toxic masculinity of I must control everything and the only way to prove I'm in control is to do things that other people don't want me to do Mm. Um, and so that's to me the biggest takeaway from the Paris Agreement is that you know he's he's it's it's systematic you know like he's already threatened NAFTA uh, he's he's threatened NATO uh, and all of these were ways that were basically just mo- ways f- of American imperialism. He's 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 just removing like from like if that 
and and whether or not you think that's a good idea is a different question. You know, like uh, you know, American imperialism is has done is is continually uh, creating horrors around the world, and so it's not to say that this is like that is just a good thing, but it will create a power vacuum that will be filled by other places. Yeah. And 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 this is a this is a this is a offshoot of that larger ethos, I think. Um, and yeah, like. Very easily in the next, you know, if Trump lasts four years, uh, the next the next president is going to be just trying to pick up the pieces and rebuild uh, America's sort of soft, soft power mm. uh, in deciding that these other things are going to happen. And that's that's my takeaway from this is that it's a, it's it's a, yeah it's a, it's perhaps the uh, the it's another step along his rem, his road to removing uh, options really for American diplomacy. Uh, and instead, sort of again, more focusing on the fact that yes, we can still bomb things, and that's how we actually get everyone to, to do our thing. All right, yeah. I, I agree with all that, but I'm going to I'm going to make an attempt to to defend my point anyway. All right, fair Are enough. Ready? Okay, so uh, with regards to like the agreement, totally, absolutely. Uh, I don't think it changes anything with regards to the type of uh, deal they could get. Uh, I think they would get a slightly different deal if you did Paris over again, like the, the, the conference over again without the US. We might get a different deal, arguably, but uh, it might be worse. I'm just saying yeah. it would be different, right. right, without the Americans' influence. But I think that's too narrow uh, and too narrow a way to look at it um, because I'm not sort of talking about what kind of deal that might come out of this, like some revised, upgraded Paris agreement. What I'm looking at is a more from a, uh, if you will, soft power economics, or uh, well, in this metaphor, it might even be hard power, uh, which is the power of economics, which is that, uh, for instance, uh, having good trading deals with the most powerful nation on earth is beneficial. Uh, but now that the most powerful nation on earth is sort of thumbing their nose at everybody, even though ec- on purely economic, mindless, amoral machine uh, tabulating, you know, computer says, you know, we will make the most money by having a deal with the U.S. Now that that might be off the table or there might be political reasons to not do those sorts of deals. You now have so just for the sake of example, I don't know anything about these particular countries having deal whether they do or don't have trade agreements. I don't know. Just accept that that is true. <laughs> Listener, accept I, this is a metaphor. I don't know the specifics of this. Right. But just say for the example that maybe Germany was was considering getting an, a new trade deal, or the EU is considering getting a new trade deal with the US. Now they don't. Well, they're not just going to not have that trade deal. They're now going to look for other partners because they they have a trade surplus. They're looking to spend or whatever, right? Uh, so now maybe they now well hey well you know we let maybe we improve our relationship with China instead which is what she's been doing right Angela Merkel now is talking to uh, the leadership in India to uh, develop deals not just around. Uh, uh, climate related stuff, but just general business deals. They're looking for different trading partners and they're diversifying their, their diplomatic partnerships. And through that, even if you have the same rest of those countries being rogue states that sort of signed on, but they're not really serious about it. Uh, like North Korea, for instance, um, or Russia for that matter. Um, that those those who do now without having tr- the Americans in the room might create different power relationships. And because of the decreasing international American power, a say, just for the sake of argument, uh, uh, EU slash Germany specifically, maybe again, I don't know how these the rules work. Uh, but just say, you know, Germany's uh, India trade deal that develops a better Germany India trading partners, and they can do things that now there's all this well, renewable energy, okay, well, great, well, we want renewable energy, you're building it, okay, so we're going to now trade uh, equipment that the, the world landscape, it might change such that those who are serious about doing it and have the power to have big impacts 
might be able to sort of like collectively take over that that influence enough of the global economy that it has a, a, a bigger drag on everybody else's economy and the types of technologies that are being uh, used and, that, and all those sorts of things. So we're, I'm talking about a much more downstream, uh, but I'm also talking about like uh, downstream in the sense of like the changing power dynamics of global power, not sort of what sort of uh, deal can we get in at the next COP meeting. You right. Follow me? Yeah, I, I tried. Um, the I, 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 I guess the the point um, that I would make is that while I think I understand the the concept of these of these change dynamics, I would say the only the the only real um, well, a the, the, what's interesting about this is that the question of whether or not. I think there's a question of whether countries do lead, uh, especially demo- democratic countries lead. I, I think more often than not, you actually see in a lot of places that feder- very few federal governments are the leading uh, are leading on environmental issues within their within their countries. Uh, I think that's different, obviously, in more autocratic nations. Uh, but you know, the, it, it, Trudeau is not leading uh, is not is not sort of leading Canada's climate action. Uh, theoretically, if he's like at this current moment, Trudeau hasn't actually hasn't actually added anything to the environmental action. At some point, he will maybe force some places to get a press on carbon, but that's that leadership is is, is still years out. Yeah. At um, best, he's managing it. He's uh, not leading it. <laughs> exactly. No, and that's the key, right? Managing is the key here because even with Trump saying he's going to pull out, he's going to quote-unquote, you know, pull out of the climate agreement, uh, that still means that, you know, if there's at least three major states, New York, Washington, and California, all looking to form some sort of alliance to basically still agree to it, which is such a high percentage. And then with all the mayors uh, around also fighting this, like this is where the climate policy really gets where rubber hits the road in climate policy. And so you might not see as much of a, uh, as much of a, of a federal uh, money going to support it. And occasionally you do see that. Uh, And uh, you know, some, some of the ways that Obama restructured the, um, some of the, the, the bailouts did actually did help grow some great economy stuff, and so there are ways that the federal government does have this kind of influence. Um, but more often than not, it's a supportive influence rather than a a leadership influence. Mm-hmm. And so I think the the real question here is 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 is, is really mostly like uh, this is Trump refusing to sort of this is Trump refusing to pay what the what the what unquestionably the the, the Americans owe, uh, which is already again because of their control of the agreements themselves pretty minimal uh actual comparison uh but also it's a it's a refusal to 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 join the the world in the future mm-hmm. and and so if and if you're in which are, will lead to it being behind you know it, it will be further behind and the big countries that are you know there's a reason why european countries are often the leaders in in energy technology in the future there's a reason why uh more why china has some of the largest solar power uh uh, so, so the solar power companies in the world, like there's, these are these are people doing things, and you know America still has that currently. But the more that they are basically like this is in some ways a war by Trump on uh, on the green companies that are American. Like he's like that's really what he's doing here. Uh, he's attacking uh, he's he's attacking and hurting uh, the prospects of future American business to to p- pathetically try to prop up a a, a different business. Um, you know it's it's as if in the early 1900s, a president had decided that he was going to uh, fully support the the concept of uh, he was going to like ban cars from America because we had to revive the horse and carriage industry uh, and acting as if that was uh, and you know and acting as if that was a a big a big American movement. No, he's trying to protect. He's 
this is ridiculous protectionism for an incredibly for a dying industry, specifically coal, um, and that will directly hurt a lot of the actual new waves that are coming. And so, for me, that's the. There's a bunch of reasons why to be to be frustrated and unhappy with I think with Trump's decision, um, but at the same time, it's it's like it's it's like we're watching a country slowly like 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 it's slowly remove itself from from and we are we are watching a country slowly degrade like i, I don't mean like, to get really dark but it's kind of like the america the movie version of uh leaving las vegas <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 the weirdest it's 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 very odd um to that's a very set dark movie about somebody drinking themselves to death by right the way, just well, for, in case anyone doesn't like, get that reference <laughs> um like this is like and this is what's so weird about this is that you know people have been talking about america's uh decline of global influence for like you know 20 basically my entire life practically um but but man is trump just like hitting the gas pedal on that yeah um and and this is just yet another yet another uh example of that all right well we're out of time and uh, but i guess if i had to shotgun my point i would just say if the if the eu india and china all decided to team up and use their influence and economies to force the rest of us to have renewable energy mm-hmm. we're getting renewable energy <laughs> i guess you know debatable but that was essentially my point right. uh the other thing was he didn't talk about it so i'll just mention really quickly new conservative leaders andrew Scheer, and he looks like a jerk that's all the time <laughs> we have for this week bonus show topic this week we're going to talk a little bit about corporate sponsorships and getting money from corporations to pay for things that we want uh that will be the topic on the bonus show this week get on the podcast learn more at greenmajority.ca other than that thank you very much to our tech Stephen, and for Stephen joining me this week i'm your host Sarah Kester, and have a good week take care <laughs>